Welcome to the Women Who Code podcast. I do try to reflect on how how I got here and how I got the seat at the table so that I can help other people get to that table. And that's important to me too, right? I want to bring as many people with me as I can here. This show features conversations between diverse technology professionals discussing women in the industry, cutting edge innovations, the future of work, deeply technical topics, and the ways that we can all work together to make the world a more inclusive place. I'm Sandy Welfare, the Chief Development Officer here at the organization that I love and have been involved in with or has been involved with for three years. And today we have a wonderful special guest who has joined us and her name is Carrie Sumlin. Carrie has been in technology and digital throughout her entire 25-year career since graduating from the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill. She has spent the majority of her career in financial services and is currently the head of digital products and experiences and user experience, customer experience at Ally Financial. Welcome to this very wonderful conversation, Carrie. Thank you, Sandy. I'm so happy to be here. I'm looking forward to talking to you. Excellent. So we will get started with some un- wonderful questions, and I'm looking forward to hearing all of your fantastic uh, answers. And so just if we can start off by just sharing with us around what has been your career journey, where you started, and more importantly, where you are now. Yes. So I um, graduated from UNC Chapel Hill, as you mentioned, um, and from uh, our campus recruiting process, I was able to be selected as essentially an early talent role within First Union's technology department. So First Union National Bank has been acquired up through Wells Fargo and is still uh, located here in Charlotte as well as around the country, but started in that program with uh, about 20 other associates, went through a three-month program where we just learned about the company, we learned about banking, we learned about tech, a really good kind of broad view of the organization. And from there, then we interviewed for roles within the tech department. And so I interviewed for a role within the IT strategy group and got that role, um, which was a really interesting place to start your career in a strategy position when you actually don't know much about what you're strategizing for. But it was actually really good for me in terms of, you know, in my day-to-day work, getting a view of the whole picture, how it fits together, um, what the different departments of a tech company look like or a bank look like, how those tech departments in the bank fit together. And, and from there, I was fortunate enough to pivot into kind of their newly formed e-channels or e-commerce groups. So um, that was on the cusp of when um, the, the, the world was starting to embrace internet technology and looking for how do we use the internet to make money, to reduce expense, you know, to generate engagement? Um, and so as being part of that group was really my first opportunity to sit down and think about, you know, what can we do? What value can we add to consumers in this internet browser when they're used to going in and talking to a banker? And so for me, that's really where it all began, thinking about how to use technology and experiences together to solve business problems, to solve customer problems. Excellent. Thank you for that. Now, let let me change it a little bit. You've been there for 15 years, and I'm curious, what have you thought of 
the innovation in the fintech space. I mean, my mind is usually blown over every transition and change that happens, but share that dynamic with, with us. Yeah. So, you know, I've been at Ally, as you said, for 15 years and Ally became Ally in 2009. Um, it had previously been GMAC. And with that, Ally looked to claim that position as the original disruptor, a digital native bank going out there to offer our customers an experience that would provide them better products and better services because they were embracing the technology that was being used to deliver that to them. And so that means, you know, paying higher rates, providing more value in that experience for the consumer. So for us, you know, we've never been um, impeded by a legacy brick and mortar infrastructure. We don't have infrastructure outside of our technology and our technology really is our presence. And so, as you said, like it's evolved so much, right? As I talked about at the beginning of my career, it was what can you do on the internet browser? You know, as we get into, you know, 2007, smartphones are coming out. We have these screens. What can we do here? Um, how can we use apps, this kind of downloadable app, um, native app concept? So a lot of what, you know, my focus was after really bringing the different digital web experiences together at Ally was how do we create a mobile banking app and a mobile banking experience that resonates, that's effective, that's secure. So spent a lot of time on that. Also in partnership with um, other folks within tech, spent a lot of time on really establishing a tech foundation um, that allowed us to create more independence from our backends and our backend providers. So how do we move to more web services, APIs, how do we create a separation between the back and the front so that we can control our customer experience and that we have um, the ability to offer differentiation? Because as some people call these things bank in the box, everybody who buys the bank in the box from the same vendor has the same customer experience and we want to differentiate on that. So it was a major shift in being able to leverage that actually, interestingly, first for mobile. So our, our web stuff was in the bank in the box. We did an API implementation first for the mobile app, and then we pivoted that into web. So we came really mobile first very early on in our development cycle. So for us with mobile has been fascinating as well because we've been very um, focused on doing native development. We have thought for a long time that's enabled us to use um, a lot more of the um, capabilities that are provided to us naturally, like Face ID, the ability to leverage the camera to deposit checks, the ability to create those um, human interface guidelines or leverage the human interface guidelines from Google and from Apple to create experiences that are familiar based on your device. Um, well, now here we are in 2023 and we're looking at something called React Native, right? So how do we leverage React Native, which gives us more flexibility across our web and mobile channels for more reusability? How do we do that, but not lose the value and the benefit of all of the native development we've done? So that's a, something we're excited about, seeing how we can implement that, seeing how we can do it in a way that works for our development teams, as well as um, doesn't create any wonkiness in the actual customer experience, where for them, we, we don't want them to know, you know any of those details. I think as well for us, something that's always been there is that our customers' expectations are not just about how they bank in other places, although that is the foundation of it. It's how they do commerce and how they communicate with friends and family through these same digital channels. So for us, 
we can't do that without our a strong technical foundation and a strong technical team, which we've been fortunate enough to build out at Ally. Excellent. And just wanting to circle up on the point around mobile and how everything has now moved to this handheld device. Are you uh, concerned about security? Because at the end of the day, everything is coming down to how do I keep my data safe? Yeah, absolutely. Security is always a topic and it's the ticket to entry. You know, we, we don't and cannot create and deploy solutions that don't offer, you know, customer information protection and, and strong security. So, you know, on mobile, being able to leverage those native features and functions really helps us keep our customers safe and secure and and really kind of gives us additive layers of security as customers are authenticating at the same time with how you know those devices have gone to market we've been able to do it in a way that doesn't create too much friction for our customer i think with authentication we're always balancing how do you create the right experience that isn't such a high bar that you can never get into your account because you can never remember your password or or you can never you know get your device to work so you know for us uh, you know again data security is where we start it's critically important and and the foundation of of everything that we create starts and ends there for us. Thank you, appreciate that. So as you're in your current role as executive director, uh, digital products and experience, what does your day-to-day look like? Because if I had to guess, I'm almost certain no two days are the same. They are not the same, for sure. There are some themes though that go across the days for me. You know, first of all, I'm focused on employee engagement. How do we get the most from our teams? How do we give them the most? How do we create an environment and a culture where they feel empowered and they can deliver these solutions to our customers in the best possible way. I also spend a lot of time looking over the customer experience itself. I do a lot of reviews of what is our design experience going to be, and then um, you know how are we doing against some of our major strategic initiatives? Are we on track? Do we have issues? Do we have concerns? Do we have you know risks and things we have to work through in order to successfully deliver for our customers? And then finally, I do occasionally get to spend some time on thinking about our future strategies and and where do we have gaps and where is there white space in the marketplace? Where can we leverage technology in a way we haven't yet to think about how to continue to position us um, as a leading digital bank in the U.S.? So I spend a lot of time there. I think the other thing that's important is really staying in sync across the organization with all of the partners. So we have partners in legal and risk and compliance and business partners and other teams within tech and ensuring that we are all in sync and we're all marching towards, you know, the same goals um, and expectations is really critical. And that's very, you know, relationship-based. And I think that's very critical to the role that I play within the organization and for my team. I also find myself day-to-day being extremely motivated by our customers and thinking about what else do they need and how else do we do we win at that? How else do we, you know, meet those needs? One of the things I've done for the 15 years I've been here is read uh, what we call voice of the customer. So when our customers have something to say to us, we have links and surveys we submit to customers in the digital experiences and they, they tell us exactly how they're thinking and feeling, but it's great. I mean, it's like talking to a customer. It's, it's, you know, obviously one way, but it keeps me very informed of where people are, what is working really well, and frankly, what's not working well. So that's a major passion of mine, and that is something I do every single day. 
Thank you. And touching upon your comment of uh, voice of the customer, you have a deep passion for customer service. How do you make that work in a digital banking space across the multiple generations? Because I can tell you what I do versus what my mom does and what my son can do, totally different experiences. Yeah, that's a really great question and great point. And we do see the different generations engaging with us differently and in different frequencies. But one of our fastest growing populations, for example, in our mobile banking engagement are older generations. So um, while millennials have been there um, in high percentages all along, we are seeing older generations starting to move to the, to the phone as well. I think from a strategy perspective, the way we've always approached it is to create a lot of simplicity in how we talk about financial services to customers. And what we found through the years is that when we speak in kind of clear terms and simple terms, even if you're really experienced in banking or with a particular device or interaction, it still resonates with you. It still makes sense with you. And so for us, that allows us to really target kind of everybody with that simple messaging. I think as we continue to progress and we start to look at things like, you know, AI and how do we leverage modeling and how do we leverage personalization, then we can start thinking more about differentiation in those experiences. So, you know, you might like us to show you a picture of a puppy dog and somebody else might want to see a picture of a cruise or something that is more meaningful to them in either through where they've been spending their money or through kind of generationally where they land. Love that. Thank you very much. All right. So tech is constantly iterating and growing. How do you embrace the changes? Because I can tell you for me, it does seem as if each year I'm needing to pivot slightly to be ready for what comes next. Yes, I think for me, um, philosophically, believe that we're never there. There's not a not a destination. It is a journey. It is constant and continuous change. And I think setting a tone within my team and personally feeling energized by that is really important. Otherwise, I would be very exhausted because to your point, it is always changing a little bit and nothing is the same. So creating opportunities for people to you know, provide feedback, to generate their ideas, to pivot our process, to pivot our technology, not making a decision and feeling like you have to stick to that forever or fight for it like a death match, right? Like we can condition to evolve, we can change, uh, we can make a different decision, we can make mistakes, you know, creating an environment where we can do that and that makes us better and not worse is really critical because as to your point, as these new technologies come in, without that mindset, I don't think we could get there. I don't think we could support it. That's an excellent point. And I am curious in terms of emerging technologies, do you see that some of the pivots that you'll need to make will be around artificial intelligence? I think so. It feels to me very similar to that momentum that we felt when the internet came out and we said, how do we commercialize this and how do we provide experiences? I think um, obviously AI has been around for a really long time, but there are clear advancements in generative AI um, over the last six months in a way that's become you know, very public and very accessible for folks. So 
I think thinking about how we can harness that to not just create efficiencies in our back office, which I think every company will end up doing with that, but then how do you create experiences for customers that are different and more meaningful and being able to test and learn into that in a way that's extremely safe in a way that data is protected those are things we have to think through and we have to be way on top of and create a culture where that's important and a good thing to do um, otherwise we you know we won't be here in the long term right that those are the things in our fiber that we have to get excited about and i think that again generative ai uh, has potential to be absolutely game changing i agree all right. So now looking at the fact that you are fantastic executive within the organization, how has Ally supported your growth as a leader? I think Ally does a great job at growing leaders and I have benefited from that. And a lot of other leaders have benefited from that as well. So I think fundamentally Ally is a very flat organization. So there are not that many layers from top to bottom. And that creates a lot of opportunity for our associates and create a lot of opportunity for me to have exposure, to have experience, to hear and see things uh, across our executive team and really help me understand how that works and what I needed to do and think through and present in order to be effective. I think Ella is also very empowering by its nature and by its culture. And so if you see something you want to fix or do, no, like people want you to do that, right? Like there's not a, a territorial component to that. If something needs to happen, step in and do it, fill the white space. And that, that creates a lot of opportunity. There is always going to be new stuff as we were talking about, and there's always going to be white space. So being an organization that lets you fill that in has really nurtured my ability to, to grow and to lead. And, you know, I think also I've had really great leaders that I've worked for over time. We have very strong leadership team at Ally, watching how they interact, watching how, they, um, how they've grown, you know, really trying to take those techniques has been important. And finally, one thing that I did a few years ago was um, Ally gave me an executive coach. So I was able to work with a coach and it was really... I mean, I would like not to be dramatic, but I, for me, it was really life-changing. It helps me pivot from this feeling of like, I just need to show how much I can get done because I can get a lot of work done to, I need to really grow the relationships I have across the organization and start to deliver more through that versus just look at all these sites I've done or look at all these experiences or look at all these clicks. You know, that was a real important moment for me and, and you know, really made possible through Ally. Excellent. Thank you for that. So now we're going to pivot just slightly and talk about Ally's company culture. Help me to understand, is it a great place to work? And what is that, what does that culture look like? Because I think over the years, I have firmly come to believe that culture will always eat strategy for breakfast. So help us understand how does it work for Ally? Yeah, culture is really important at Ally. And um, it's something that everybody that works here is very proud of, and people are very proud to be allies. We're proud to work here. We wear our purple t-shirts out a lot. <laughs> 
we are excited to see the Charlotte uh, football club, Charlotte FC soccer club. We are their primary sponsor. So we all see Ally. Other people are wearing Ally now. So we are super excited about that. But, you know, for us, it kind of started with our brand transformation back in 2009 when we moved from GMAC to Ally. Our brand pillars were talk straight, do right, and be obviously better. And then, you know, the 14 years since we did that, those are still at the, like, fundamentally what we do is how we want to talk to our customers is how we show up for our associates. I think a lot of that culture, too, for Ally comes through how we want to interact in the community, what's important to us, do we put our, you know, our money where our mouth is, <laughs> do we invest our time? Um, you know, Ally does a phenomenal job of not only giving us eight hours of volunteer time a year, but creating opportunities throughout the year to do that. So we do a lot of charitable work throughout our day-to-day. One of the things we did, I'll actually, I'm going to lean over here and show you guys this. Earlier this week, we made bookmarks. So these are packs of 10. So we did this as part of one of our ERGs, and we'll distribute this to kids as they're getting school supplies. So that's just something we put together, a conference room. We had our arts and crafts out. Everybody came in. We listened to music. We put these together. We had a competition, and that's just in the fiber of what we do. So every day, every week, there's something happening somewhere where we're kind of collectively giving back, and people love that and they want to be part of that and they want to be some they want to be part of something that's meaningful and we want to change people's lives right and so i think there's a a fundamental belief that through the products and services that we offer we can make life-changing impact for people um, whether it's through financial literacy or the online products and services that we offer or even just help and information tools and calculators there's a lot that we can provide to anybody who's looking for help um, in the financial services. But again, what we give in the community is also really important. The other thing I wanted to mention is, you know, we have great benefits. And so I think that makes a big difference in our culture. And one of the things that our HR team has done over the past few years is really emphasize and provide more benefits around mental health. So how do we make mental health something that is, is not treated differently than any sort of physical health ailments. So having that and having those benefits, again, just speaks to the fact that allies caring about their people and their employees uh, and their customers kind of all the way through. Excellent. Thank you for that. All right. So now we're going to go into diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so over the last few years, I think we all can say that it has transitioned into um, a social talking point and a variety of other things. But for the companies who've done it right, it's been a part of their business imperative. Help me understand what is Allies' um, take on diversity, equity, and inclusion? Because at the end of the day, the more diversity we have, the better the companies seem to do. And so just wanted to hear your thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, major part of our culture is diversity. We do have a strong focus on our ERGs and, and creating communities within our associate base. One of the things that we've done in tech beyond just what what Ally as a whole does is our CEO who came in a few years ago established two additional groups, BBIT, which stands for Black and Brown in Tech, and WIT, which is Women in Tech. And those groups are really to create targeted experiences for 
people in that po those populations, right? So those populations are generally women, black and brown, are relatively underrepresented in technology. If we look across the organizations that we probably all sit in, there's probably not a lot of people that that look like us, right? And so how do we create an environment where we're promoting career advancement, career growth, opportunity for new associates, creating and cultivating an early talent pipeline so that, you know, 10 years from now, we have senior directors and executive directors that we've homegrown that are representative of the broader population. So I'm now the executive sponsor of our BBIT, so Black and Brown and Tech Group. Um, and there's a lot that we're doing this year to not just help people kind of improve their networking skills and their career skills and the sense of community with an ally, but how do we make differences and bringing in a stronger early, early talent pipeline, bringing in interns that create better representation across the population and, you know, and really making a long-term difference. So if I think at Ally, it's, you know, we need to put our money where our mouth is. Like if it's important to us, let's make change and let's drive change and let's have really strong representation across the board. I appreciate that. Thank you. Now, I know personally, I have gotten to the point in my career where I need to be in a space where my values are aligned. What would you say in terms of the alignment of values for Ally and yourself? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, this isn't a value that Ally necessarily talks about in this term, but a value that I personally hold is fairness. And um, so it's a word that we don't necessarily use here is fair, but I believe kind of fundamentally what we do is fair. And I do think fair bleeds into equality, which is a word that we use. I think that in everything we do, things should be, I believe very strongly in fairness and I believe very strongly in honesty. And I also believe in loyalty, frankly. I'm a very loyal person, potentially to a fault, but I think, you know, you you give loyalty and you get loyalty in return. And that's a foundation of, I think, things that make me as a human feel better and want to be part of and with a group of people that, sh that share that kind of similar sentiment. Cannot agree more. Thank you. Sure. Now, what are you passionate about outside of work? Because the tech space at some point has to slow, be slowed down for you to enjoy your weekend and evenings with your family and friends. That's right. So I am actually very passionate about soccer. So my kids are both involved in kind of competitive soccer. I have a 13-year-old seventh grader and a 17-year-old senior in high school, both who play soccer. And because of all the soccer I've been watching for the last eight years through their soccer journeys, I now actually watch soccer on TV. I'm a fan of professional soccer. I'd say it is actually my favorite sport. I would never have predicted this 10 years ago, but <laughs> this is what it is. And I really like it. And I think for my kids, it's provided a sense of teaming, team sports. We win as a team. You know, we're part of a um, an ecosystem. Uh, my kids play at the Barcelona Academy, which teaches a different style of soccer in terms of passing. So it's about um, your success isn't scoring a goal. Your success is how do you enable the team, somebody else to score a goal. Like an assist is almost better than a goal in, in the style of soccer we play. Um, so I really value that. And then um, because of their soccer, we've gotten to do some really cool international uh, travel. And, and just last month, we were able to go to the Gothia Cup, which is 
the world's largest youth soccer tournament in Sweden, and it's over 1,800 teams represented by 70 countries, and it was quite the production. It was great, and I think for for my kids and the other kids from Charlotte and our teams that participated, it gave them opportunity to see the world differently, to see different people from different cultures and different experiences. They stayed at a school. Um, they slept on the floor of a school, and they were there with um, kids from all over the world um, that they would have never met without kind of that sport as their backing. So I, as you can tell, I have a ton of passion for that. I'm like the team mom for both of the boys' teams, and I just love it, and I think it's good for them, and it's it's good for their teammates. So. I love that. Shoot. I want to go with you next year. So okay. get, get ready. We might get do ready. Spain next year. So get ready. Ooh, even nice. Even <laughs> yeah. nice. All right. And so I am just curious in terms of a woman uh, such as yourself who has a seat at the table. What would you share with other women around what do they need to do to pivot or seek to be an executive? What advice could you give them around that space? Yeah, I um, I have a lot of opinions and advice, and I I do try to reflect on how how I got here, and how I got this seat at the table, so that I can help other people get to that table, and that's important to me too, right? I want to bring as many people with me as I can here. I think first of all, be confident. Uh, I think and women seem to suffer more than men from confidence for a lack of confidence, and um, believing that you should be here and demonstrating you should be here you know, really does set the bar and set the expectation for the people around you. I think you also want to always be authentic. Um, don't compromise, you know, who you are and what you believe in and and don't feel like you ever have to do that. And, and I would say you don't want to sit at a table where you're not allowed to be who you are. Be self-aware. Um, so it's always important to know what you do well and what you don't do well. Understanding what you don't do well is probably more important than what you do do well. Um, I would also say don't talk to talk. So uh, sometimes you'll be in meetings or sessions and somebody just is talking and they're not really saying anything. So don't ever feel like you need to say something. But when you decide to say something, I always tell people, say it in as few as words as possible. So when you say something, it's meaningful and it, it'll resonate with people. I've also tried to recognize that my greatest strengths are my greatest weaknesses. So the things I do really well are also the things that are detractors or have like these unintended consequences and kind of keep an eye on that because you, you'd never want to lose what you do well. Um, but if you're overshadowing your strength with those same characteristics, you've got to really dial that back. And part of that is, you know, in combination with self-awareness. Another thing I tell people, it's really important for me, I think helps me a lot was being responsive. Um, I know folks, sometimes they're like, I have 2000 emails in my inbox and that's 2000 people who might be waiting on you for something. And I think it's hard to get to see the table if people feel like you're not there for them. And then, you know, as I mentioned with the executive coach that I had, the greatest thing I learned, and I, I tell everybody I mentor, it all starts with relationships and be really deliberate in how you manage them. Think about who do you need to be talking to? You know, how do you, how do, you do that? Who do you need to influence? How do you manage your calendar and make that a priority in your day-to-day? -day? Um, because those relationships are really the foundation to, at the executive level to, to getting work done. I love that. And I'm going to close it out with one question that I didn't share with you, but I think it'll be a good one. 
Okay. If you were to have a conversation with your 18 year old self, I know personally, I would say to myself, be fearless, Sandy. Do not let anyone stand in your way to get to the space that you want to be in. What would you share with your 18-year-old self? Um, I'd probably tell my 18-year-old self to have a little more fun because I was fairly serious <laughs> along the way. But I think that, I think it's belief in, in self, right? And confidence and don't don't doubt that you can do it. And, and don't think that somebody else knows more than you because they, they likely don't, right? So I would say be bolder and be braver. I think that would have been better advice for me in my 20s. And it took me probably into my 30s to, to grasp that. I appreciate your candor. Thank you so much, Karen. Thank you, so Sandy. This, well, I appreciate the conversation. Thank you. So this concludes our afternoon with Carrie, and I appreciate your time, Carrie, and the entire Ally team. We appreciate all the support you provide to women who code. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for being part of such a great organization. Thank you for listening to the Women Who Code podcast. To find out more about our mission and the work we do across the tech industry, visit our website, womenwhocode.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Women Who Code. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel with hundreds of hours of free educational videos. Just go to youtube.com backslash women who code. Thanks again for listening. And remember to subscribe, rate, and comment.